and welcome to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I'm sick. Uh, I mentioned it on social media, I mentioned it elsewhere, but I am finally coming to after being sick for eight, seven days, eight days, truly too long. Too long to be sick. Remember when you used to get a cold and it would last like 36 hours? I've been here sick, taking care of a kid while sick. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I have so much empathy for parents now that I've gone through this. Whoo boy. Whoo boy. Uh, I can't believe how much effort it is. And it's just, I'm just looking down the barrel of like 18 years of this because, wow, uh, it, it, kids get sick so much and then I'm going to get sick. And it's just a, a vicious cycle that never seems to end. The more they go out into the world and play with kids and play with toys and put things in their mouth and things, I I can't believe it. But uh, that who cares about that? Because we have so much other great stuff to discuss this week. Because this week... We are talking about Tokyo Disney Resort this week, next week, and the following week because I have gotten more requests for guides and advice and tips and help for Tokyo Disney in the past, oh gosh, three or four months that I think I have in my entire career combined. The word's not just out about how great this resort is. People are desperate to go and also are desperate for any way to make the process easier because the process is a bit tricky. And that is what we are getting into today. I'm so excited to bring you this episode, to bring you this series of episodes. And there's a lot of stuff domestically back home that I definitely want to get into, but we just had to put a pause. We had to put a pause on the schedule to get into all things Tokyo. So much so that I'm not even going to waste your time gabbing about how much I'm loving suits. Because I'm loving suits. I'm deep. In, I'm like seven seasons deep in suits. I had to uh, fast. I tried to fast forward through uh, the first 10 episodes of season six. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it, the the Mike plot line. But I couldn't I, I couldn't do it. I tried to fast forward and I had to go back and watch it because I'm a suits completist. I'm all in. So please yell all your suits facts at me. And if you for anyone pitching this podcast, I do feel like every few weeks you're going to hear me obsess about Ugly Betty or this or Gilmore Girls or a new show that I just dive into wholeheartedly and then consume whole like a snake eating its prey and then it's over. But I am I'm absolutely loving suits and I cannot wait to finish more of it tonight. But until then, we are talking Tokyo. I'm just going to push it forward. Uh, I hope you enjoy. Let's go to Tokyo together. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back. Tokyo Disney Resort is a bucket list trip for so many of us, but it's so much more than that. 
I visited for my first time in 2015 on a Tokyo honeymoon, and despite two weeks packed with travel and sightseeing and over-the-top dinners, Tokyo Disney Sea was one of the main things my husband came back raving about. If you are a Disney person, you're gonna love it. If you're not a Disney person like him, you're also gonna love it. It's like nowhere else, and such a special place to make a journey to. We've been meaning to do something like this for a while, but the reason this guide is so necessary now is that later this year, a lot of things at Tokyo Disney Resort are going to change. A new land, Fantasy Springs, is debuting this June, along with three mini-lands themed to Frozen, Peter Pan, and Rapunzel, as well as a brand new hotel opening in June, which means there's so much to see, but now an extra layer of planning and preparation on top of this already tricky-to-book park. And when I say booking is tricky, I don't mean in a gotta learn the lightning lane lingo kind of way. Credit cards don't always work, different hotels have different access, things have still not come back from the pandemic, you can book a room, you can book tickets, but you can also book a vacation package, and making decisions like these when there is a language barrier and very quick sellouts and half a globe between you and this theme park resort can be very overwhelming. Which is why we have split this into not one, not two, but three parts to include everything you may need. Oh yeah, this is a Tokyo bonanza here on Very Amusing. But our goal is that whether you listen to this when it drops or months or even years down the road, you can feel more confident about planning your trip by the end of this episode. In this first part of our Tokyo Disney Resort Guide, we are diving into all things planning, logistics, and booking. Which hotel is right for you, which gives you the access you need, what kind of tickets to get, all those questions that have been keeping you from visiting, we will answer those today and set you up for success on your hopeful Tokyo Disney Resort trip. Which is why in our second episode, we're discussing everything you can do in the parks once you're there. Day of procedures for standby pass, priority pass, dining reservations, how to budget your time, what to do if you only have one day, the show lotteries, all of that. And in our third installment, we're going to tackle Tokyo itself and traveling to Japan as a whole. How long to visit the city for, can't miss sites, currency, transportation between the resort and the city, recommendations of my favorite things to do and see in Tokyo, and beyond. And if three episodes seems wild for a city so far away, it's because this one is worth it. Tokyo is my favorite city in the entire world, and Tokyo Disney Resort is a huge part of the reason. If you've listened to any of our Duffy episodes, in those interviews, any of that reporting, you know that these parks are special for so many reasons. Because of the attractions, because of the sights, because of the culture, and because of all of the things you'll experience here that feel like home, but aren't. These parks seem familiar, but are wildly different, and that dichotomy is my favorite part of visiting a Disney park outside of America. And nowhere is it better than here. Truly, the hype is real. These episodes are put together to the best of my ability. I fact-checked everything that is included in here, and it should be as accurate as possible. But once again, this is a theme park resort whose native language is different from mine, and who will be going through a big opening halfway through 2024. So, things can and things will change. So please, I will put reminders throughout, please make sure to fact-check any important detail before you leave, especially if you are listening to this podcast months or years after it comes out. And one extra small note before we get started, apologies in advance if this one convinces you to go to Tokyo, because putting these three episodes together, let's just say I'm not thinking about going back even though I just went. I am so tempted. I was looking at, I was looking at vacation packages. I shouldn't be. 
but I was, and all in the name of research. (laughs) So with all of that, let's get into it. There are two theme parks at Tokyo Disney Resort, Tokyo Disneyland, and its so simply yet brilliantly named counterpart, Tokyo Disney Sea. At both, you'll see experiences similar to home. It's a small world, soaring, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, but alas, everything is somewhat different. As many theme park fans know, this park is not owned by the Walt Disney Company, but in fact, Oriental Land Company. That blend of distinct Disney design with a Japanese parent company just adds to that feeling of being home, but being somewhere completely new. Tokyo Disney Resort as a whole is more comparable to Walt Disney World than Disneyland. These parks are connected by a monorail, which costs money here, as well as to transit from Tokyo and beyond. The parks themselves also are massive. (laughs) Walking from the entrance of Tokyo Disney Sea towards the back of the park for a dessert one time was akin to rushing from the entrance of Epcot going deep inside World Showcase. And if that anecdote sparks accessibility questions, do not worry, we will be covering that later. These parks do cost less than America's for snacks, for ticketing, and even for skipping the line. For example, on February 14th, a one-day, one-park ticket to Tokyo Disneyland cost 8,400 yen, or roughly 56 American dollars. Comparatively, that same ticket type on that same day cost $119 at Disneyland and $174 at Magic Kingdom. Oh my lord. There was a cheerleading championship, but still, wow, (laughs) that's a lot of money. We will get deeper into what's beyond the gates next week, but to give you a brief overview, Tokyo Disneyland feels like Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, only somehow bigger. It's got Cinderella Castle in its pre-50th anniversary nostalgic hue, and sort of the same lands and general attractions. But there are also plenty of whimsical differences, like their version of Main Street being covered in more of an intersection of two streets than just one. And then there's Tokyo Disney Sea, a park that does not and likely will never exist anywhere else. To be here is to see what essentially feels like a blank check written to Walt Disney Imagineering. There are Venetian canals and a volcano, an entirely indoor mermaid lagoon, a cityscape from New York in the early 1900s, and even an ocean liner. Why not? And come June, It will be home to Fantasy Springs, an expansion that brings a new hotel along with dining and rides themed to Frozen, Peter Pan, and Rapunzel. We're going to discuss how many days you need here in our third episode, once we've discussed all of your options and what there is to see and do and experience. But in terms of weather, seasons, holidays, when to go, here's the deal. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert in that, so here is what I will say. It is apparently extremely humid in the summer. It is a proper winter in the winter. I have been in the spring and it was beautiful. I have been in the fall and I just missed the heat. But I've also been in the winter and it was cold, but I layered myself like an everlasting gobstopper and was totally fine. Personally, I never make travel plans around weather. I travel based on when I'm available to do a trip and when flights are cheap. But that said, Early October, my most recent trip was pretty heavenly, and I would go back then if I could. When it comes to crowds, again, this is not my home park, so I'm not tapped into the crowd levels in Tokyo, and I'm not about to lie to you and pretend like I am. But I'm gonna guess it's gonna be busy, especially after June, once Fantasy Springs opens. My most recent trip was in early October, and crowds were already increasing from the Halloween festivities. 
The trip before that was at the end of the year, and it was crowded as well, but we were able to navigate it pretty well. As usual, weekends are going to be busy just like they are at home. What I will share, though, a rock-solid tip is one that I know from personal experience, and that is that you do not want to book a trip to Tokyo or Tokyo Disney Resort without checking a schedule of national holidays. I cannot emphasize this enough. I found this out the hard way when we booked our honeymoon over something called Golden Week, which is essentially a week of back-to-back-to-back holidays in Japan. We wound up pushing our trip a week later because it was such a big deal, and we wanted to avoid all of the massive crowds that would have been exclusively at the places we were visiting. So always, please be sure to Google around and check local holidays, especially that and Oban Week, things like that before selecting your dates. Now that we have the basics out of the way, we're going to talk about where to stay, what tickets are offered, and how to actually book this thing. And if that sounds excessive for a single episode of a podcast, trust me, this place is unique. In terms of where to stay, It's a bit similar to Disneyland in a sense. There are official Disney hotels and other regular hotels located right by the resort. I've stayed at both, and I found the service and hospitality to be fabulous no matter where I was. And while this is true for many hotels in this area, at Disney hotels there are pajamas on loan, an amenity kit and a collectible little tin you can keep, and if you stay at different Disney hotels on different nights, the ability to leave your baggage in your room and have it magically appear in your new one later on. There are slippers to wear, and what I describe as a split bathroom with a shower room, which is basically a wet room with a bath and a shower head, and then a toilet room with a Japanese-style toilet. If you've never used one, they have warm seats, and they are delightful. There are a bunch of different room types within Disney's spread of their hotels, which are much different than at home. You can browse them all on the website, but they have trundle beds, they have alcove beds, you can bring in an extra bed, and if I remember this correctly... If you are staying with someone in a room with individual twin beds, which happens, and would like a quote-unquote bigger bed, like an American-style queen or king, they will come and push your beds together. While the rooms are a capacity of three to four people on average, I did get some questions from people who are traveling with multiple children or a bit of a larger party. So I put a link in the show notes about bed sharing, which affects the capacity in your room, as kids under four can share a bed for increased capacity. That said, there is a type of room called a family room, which is available at some of Tokyo Disney's hotels and can fit five or six people. There are also character-themed rooms, which are done to a top-tier level and remind me a bit of the Disney stores of our youth. I'm not gonna lie, they're that good. There are over-the-top, jewel-toned Beauty and the Beast rooms in Tokyo Disneyland Hotel with library and ballroom theming, an eye-popping, colorful Alice in Wonderland series of rooms, and plenty others throughout the resorts. They are incredible. Check out videos on YouTube of all of them. I'll link to one or two of those in the show notes. Now, Tokyo Disney Resort operates five hotels with a sixth on the way. The two more deluxe-style hotels are Tokyo Disneyland Hotel, a Grand Floridian-style Victorian resort, which is directly outside the Tokyo Disneyland entrance, and Hotel Miracosta, which has, like, an elegant seafaring Italian theming, I think is the best I can describe it as, but more importantly, a dedicated entrance to Tokyo Disney Sea. Even if you haven't been before, you've likely seen those Park View Miracosta rooms, which look out onto Tokyo Disney Sea and its nighttime entertainment, which at this point are the cream of the crop where TDR rooms are concerned. I have stayed in both of these hotels, and while I'm typically 
more inclined to the, what I would call old lady grandma Victorian style hotel, I preferred Hotel Miracosta because the entrance to the park is unbeatable. I found their theming leading into the park to be really special. And we stayed in a Capitano Mickey room, which was very themed. I did not, I did not expect it to be as uh as global explorer Mickey themed as it was, and as silly as it was, because I think it ended up being pretty pricey. Uh, I loved it. I think Hotel Miracosta is my spot over Tokyo Disneyland Hotel, but both are great. There's also Disney Ambassador Hotel, a deluxe hotel in tier, but honestly, it seems a little more like a moderate style comp to a Walt Disney World hotel, because it's worth noting it's their only deluxe hotel that's not attached to a park. Here you will find a a bit of an American Hollywood retro vibe. And personally, I didn't make it here. I almost made it on my last trip, but I'm hoping to visit here and stay here the next time I go to Tokyo. Tokyo Disney's latest opening, the Toy Story Hotel, I think is considered more value, but with this fantastic theming, it definitely gives this place an edge. If you want to know more about Toy Story Hotel, don't forget, in our archives, there is a full report about this hotel from when it opened with TDR Explorer's Chris Neilgay. It is a fun one. I will link to that in the show notes as well. And then there's Tokyo Disney Celebration Hotel, which offers some colorful theming with familiar faces in its artwork, but is the only one that isn't walking distance to the monorail. It's further away, even from other non-Disney hotels nearby. It also, I listen, outside perspective, it also has a bit of a third-party vibe, kind of like a Paradise Pier kind of way, but it's worthwhile because it shares some of the same perks as the other hotels. When it opens in June, however, Tokyo Disney Sea Fantasy Springs Hotel will be the resort's seventh and likely its most in demand. This hotel also has direct access to Tokyo Disney Sea, but on the other end. Miracosta is situated at the entrance, while Fantasy Springs Hotel will be in the back corner by the new land. This hotel has two tiers within it. Fantasy Chateau, which is more of a deluxe-style hotel, and Grand Chateau, which they're calling luxury-type accommodations. Consider it kind of like a concierge level within its hotel. There are only 56 of these type of rooms at this hotel, and all have a balcony or terrace with a view of Fantasy Springs, and access to the new land during day or night. There's also extra perks for Grand Chateau guests, like access to attractions and advanced booking for shows, and access to one restaurant that nobody else can go to, according to Disney Food Blog, which is pretty rad. Uh, I can't wait to see what's inside that restaurant. And as a reminder for anyone listening to this podcast in the future, just note that currency exchange rates may have changed by the time you are listening to this. But I picked a random day to compare prices between all of these. A standard room for two people on Tuesday, June 4th, days before Fantasy Springs opens, keep in mind, cost $164 at Tokyo Disney Celebration Hotel, their value level, $231 at Toy Story Hotel, and $274 at Ambassador Hotel. The cheapest room I could find at Miracosta was $398. That was that Capitano Mickey-themed room. Actually, that's not bad. That's hundreds less than we paid. And it's $385 for Tokyo Disneyland Hotel. And I gotta tell ya, that is way cheaper than I thought. Granted, it is summer, it is a weekday, it is before their big opening, but do I need to brave the humidity and go on June 4th? I'm realizing when I visited and stayed on property, it was over winter break, it was over holiday break, so they just might have been at peak, peak pricing, because I'm pretty sure we spent well over $700 for one night at Tokyo Disneyland Hotel. Oh. My. God. 
I'm also pretty sure Ben's not going to listen to this episode because he's used to me nagging him to go back anyway. So nobody tell my husband that that was a mistake that we spent that much money while we were there in town at that time. Okay. Okay. It's our little secret. It's our little podcast secret. When it comes to park transportation, monorail is the easiest way there for most hotels. Celebration, the only one without easy monorail access, offers bus service to both parks, as does Ambassador. But the paid monorail, which costs about a buck 75 US per ride, is more than likely going to be utilized on your visit. There are also a gaggle of non-Disney hotels located directly off the monorail, and I cannot stress how convenient this is. They're right there. They're nice. And they even offer a bus to the monorail for all guests, even though mine was only really a four or five minute walk. I think technically this grouping of hotels is called Tokyo Disney Resort Official Hotels, which could not be more confusing. That is so confusing. But get this, the monorail stop for the Hilton, the Sheridan, all of these Tokyo Bay hotels, it's the same monorail stop for Toy Story Hotel. And it's over by the actual entrance to the Fantasy Springs Hotel, like the drive your car up type entrance, not the park entrance, the drive your car up entrance. So you are really not at a disadvantage location wise to select one of these. If you go back and listen to my Tokyo Disney recap episode from October 2023, I talk about my stay at the Hilton and the Sheridan right nearby in this area. And if you are planning to go that route and are deciding between those hotels, I would suggest watching YouTube videos of room walkthroughs. Look at TripAdvisor reviews. Google basic things because I did not do that. (laughs) And that is how I wound up in the infamous cigarette smoke caked walls of the Sheridan Grand Bay Tokyo Hotel. Because your girl booked the wrong room type and had no idea this type of room existed. Sidebar, I did finally get to thank Tom Bricker in person. Tom Bricker's the only person that I've ever seen write about these cigarette stenched rooms. Uh, I was very, very grateful then. I'm very, very grateful now. I got to tell him in person. We got to talk about it and have a good laugh. Uh, it was great. It was great because I owed him one because I had I was in my room furiously Googling like, why has nobody ever said this? And of course, Tom came to the rescue. Love Tom Bricker. Truly the best. So I ended up having a nice stay for one night in the Sheridan's Ocean Dream Room, which I do recommend, which my friend Heather from Dining in Disney has stayed in and also recommended to me. That is the room you want to be in. You can still stay at the Sheridan. I just would choose the Ocean Dream Room, not the one I was in. So I've had a nice stay there. I had a nice stay in the Hilton, which I eventually bought a new room at. And I would probably try the Grand Nico Tokyo Bay on my next trip. Sam For God, my favorite YouTuber, just stayed there and liked it. And I got to tell you, the lobby has a real Gaylord Resort kind of MCO Orlando Airport hotel vibe, if you know what I mean, that big atrium in the center. I love that vibe and I kind of want to see that in person. Now, I am often asked, Do you have to stay at Tokyo Disney Resort at all? And if you're going for more than one day, I do highly recommend staying over there. Being early is the name of the game, as always. So unless you are incredible at waking up early while jet lagged, you will likely benefit from being on site in the morning because so much comes down to the morning. We will get into that in future episodes. We're going to get into transportation and moving between Tokyo and this resort in our third installment of this guide. But that's just my top level perspective on it. And if you're hearing this and you only have one day in the park, that is totally cool too. Next week's episode will help you out with what you got to see and what you can't miss while you're there. But between these, I've stayed with Disney, I've stayed at these hotels. And if cost is your number one factor, check the rates because off-property is probably going to be the best for you. You really don't even have to sacrifice convenience at all, especially since you'll be taking the monorail to Disneyland, even if you have the nicest room at Miracosta. 
The only sticking point between a third-party hotel in this area and a Disney-operated hotel is that when it comes to ticket buying, park access at peak season, getting in early to get in line for a ride, things like that, Disney hotels do have some exceptional perks. All of Disney's hotels, even Tokyo Disney Celebration Hotel, offer guaranteed admission. That means if the park is at capacity, you can still get tickets and go as a Tokyo Disney Resort hotel guest. They also, and this one is huge, guarantee park tickets even if they're sold out to the public. Yes, even if Tokyo Disney's website has no more tickets, you can still buy them during your stay for length of stay. This perk is available on check-in day through checkout day, even if you haven't yet checked in or already checked out. And the most well-known perk of staying at a Tokyo Disney hotel is Happy 15 or Happy Entry, which allows you to enter the park 15 minutes early. This is essentially their version of early theme park entry at Walt Disney World, but here, you can line up for select attractions in advance and also apparently get an early start on booking ride return times. There are a few restrictions to happy entry, however. You can no longer use it on day of check-in, and while all hotel guests get early entry to Tokyo Disneyland every day that it's eligible, Toy Story Hotel and Celebration Hotel guests do not currently get access to Tokyo Disney Sea using happy entry. And here... Here is the kicker. According to friend of the podcast, TDR Explorer, guests at Tokyo Disneyland Hotel and Ambassador Hotel, remember two deluxe hotels, will not have the Happy 15 benefit for Tokyo Disney Sea starting on June 6th when Fantasy Springs opens until further notice. That's a big deal, because even if you book one of their deluxe hotels, you are not guaranteed once Fantasy Springs opens to enter Tokyo Disney Resort early. This is why I always and will continue to recommend checking with TDR Explorer before your trip. We are both Disney experts on opposite sides of the globe, but I want to make sure you have the best trip possible. And even though you are listening to my guide, part of that is paying attention to what Chris is sharing and posting and writing and releasing. We will revisit what this all means for visiting Fantasy Springs, that forthcoming new theme park land, in a bit. Because the big elephant in the room is Fantasy Springs. How will these new attractions, these new procedures, and likely much bigger crowds affect your trip in 2024 and going forward? And how can you make sure that you grab tickets in hotel rooms before they sell out at a time like this? Well, we are discussing all of that after this break. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. 
I love the mementos I framed with Framebridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer, and it thrills me to no end that because of Framebridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. Framebridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to framebridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's framebridge.com. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back. To understand how to book Tokyo Disney Resort, let's first discuss when you can book. Disney-operated hotel room reservations open four months in advance. And I want to flag this because online, a lot of different sources say different things. But at the time of publishing this episode, those reservations do open four months in advance. They go on sale at 11 a.m. Japan time, which is 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific the day before. And they are in demand. Things go quickly. I have not booked a hotel room at that four-month drop before. I am admittedly last minute and booked whatever I could find. But I hear bookings could also take a while if the website is being dodgy. So just be sure to plan ahead for that. As for ticket sales, they go on sale two months in advance at 2 p.m. Japan time. Oh, two months at two. That's kind of easy. Uh, 2 p.m. Japan time, which is also midnight Eastern and 9 p.m. Pacific the day prior. And if you're going to one of Tokyo Disney Resort's two parks, you'll be buying one park, one day tickets. There were many more types of admission previously, like we have in the States, including multi-day tickets, annual passes, and things like that. But those are not currently being sold. A one-day, one-park ticket will run between approximately 53 and 73 US dollars, which feels bizarre to say out loud. Because yes, the most expensive Tokyo Disney ticket you're going to buy costs less than $75, which is less than the least expensive day you can get in a gate at either Disney World or Disneyland. Whew. Unlike back home, where kids aged 10 and up use an adult ticket, adult tickets here are exclusively for those 18 and over. At Tokyo Disney Resort, they have two ticket types for kids, a junior ticket for those ages 12 through 17, and a child ticket for kids 4 through 11. Children 3 and under are free. 
There are also a few other limited ticket options that they don't quite apply to this listenership as much. But just so you know, there is also an early evening passport, which works from 3 p.m. till closing on weekends and holidays, and ranges from $44 to $58 for adults in U.S. dollars, and a weeknight passport, which works from 5 p.m. on non-holiday weekdays, which ranges between $30 and $42 for adults. And just to clearly emphasize, there is currently no park hopping. Unlike Disneyland and Disney World, you cannot buy a joint ticket to visit multiple parks in one day. You can, hypothetically, buy two individual one-park tickets, but to be completely straight with you, I am not sure if you can link those both on your app to your own account for booking ride return times. But you can absolutely purchase and use them. I have done that once. I had two different tickets and used them on the same day, but do take note that for booking, that might be a hiccup. I want to mention here as well, we are going to cover accessibility next week, but ticketing is the start of that journey. Tokyo has what they call a one-day passport for guests with disabilities offered to ticket holders and their accompanying guests. Again, we will discuss their quote-unquote barrier-free services in part next week, but do take note now that ticketing is a factor in that. Which brings us to what will likely be the single biggest complication of your visit to Tokyo Disney Resort, and that is conquering the credit card issue. You may have heard about this, and we are getting into it. Because believe it or not, the language, the travel, the transportation, all of it is pretty easy to overcome, but this is so often a sticking point. Now, from what I understand, the credit card hangup is more applicable to ticket purchases than hotel rooms, but it does apply across the board. And essentially, the problem is this. Tokyo Disney Resort loves to reject an American credit card. I have experienced this firsthand while on property. I honestly can't recall if I did while booking a hotel a few years back. I probably did. But you should just be prepared that this can and will happen to you. On my most recent stay, I was booking some in-park things on my phone, and my Amex wouldn't work to pay for their version of FastPass, but my Visa would. For each purchase, I would be taken to that verified by Visa screen, if you're familiar, and after a few moments, it would finally go through. But the particular Amex I had with me that I had used throughout Tokyo was a non-starter on this app. I looked pretty extensively into this issue to try and find some new information, and it's chaos out there. It is full-blown chaos. It appears there is no rhyme or reason as to what works for hotels versus tickets versus in the app when you're booking Premier Access, their version of FastPass, and it is very confusing. But the best information I've found comes unsurprisingly, from Chris Nilgay of TDR Explorer, who advises that you should make sure your card has 3D secure authentication, which is MasterCard secure code or verified by Visa. According to his translation of the Japanese end of Tokyo Disney's website, they do say they take a bunch of different credit cards, including Amex, which I experienced and used my Amex inside the park once I was there. But from my understanding, these issues aren't really in park with cards, just when booking hotels, tickets, and in-app purchases. And as a reminder, Chris does have tons of resources on his website, tdrexplorer.com, and a fantastic guidebook with a new version for 2024 featuring Fantasy Springs dropping truly any day now. And once again, this is not an ad. I just think that he is an essential resource for this type of trip, and I am happy to plug him because I want to make sure you have the best time possible. And combining the, the joint powers of myself and Chris can only help you conquer it all. So, 
If you are concerned about booking tickets, given this credit card mishigas, there are some alternatives. As we mentioned, if you are staying at a Disney hotel, you can buy a ticket when you arrive for use during your stay with credit cards or with cash. Remember, they guarantee you can get a ticket. They guarantee you can buy it there. And while waiting that long seems harrowing to my Disney World FastPass schedule brain, and likely to yours as well, it is a reliable option. You can also buy your tickets through a third-party provider, Kluke. I know TDR Explorer mentions this a lot and has successfully used Kluke for Tokyo Disney Resort. I have only used Kluke for Hong Kong Disneyland tickets, but it worked great when I used them there. But if you are foreign and having difficulty buying tickets on the website itself and you are getting itchy, you're getting a little antsy, you gotta get those tickets, you gotta have your planning ready, this is a great workaround. Tickets are on sale there two months in advance as well, just like on the main site. And at this point, because Fantasy Springs is not yet open, I don't know if there will be any hiccups in getting tickets and if they're going to sell out quickly, but I just want to flag that, that when it comes to a third party, maybe there's an issue. There might be by the time you're listening to this TBD, but for now, Kluke is reliable. Some third-party hotels actually do offer ticket sales directly, but I would recommend inquiring directly through them, either through the site, emailing the hotel in advance, or calling them directly. And if you're worried about any incurring any fees on your phone bill, remember using Google Voice or Skype or a service like that is always a great way to call internationally. Also, I do believe on one of my early visits, I was staying in a fancier hotel in Tokyo proper. And I'm pretty sure we asked the concierge to buy tickets for us and add it to our hotel room charges. That's not something I've generally seen recommended by other Disney people that hasn't popped up in my experience, but it is worth asking about, especially if you're only going for a day or if you're staying in multiple places. If your hotel in Tokyo has a concierge, they can probably get that done for you. So don't forget that is an option if you are trying to make this happen. And then, <laughs> and then there is one other way. And that is by purchasing a vacation package. Unlike hotels, which book four months in advance, and tickets, which book two months in advance, vacation packages go on sale six months in advance. Do you feel that, that calm, that zen-like feeling in your planning brain? Because I sure do. There's no stressing about hotel availability and if tickets will work on your card and when you're able to book them. Because before all that even goes on sale to the public, before that travel date closes in, looming in the distance, you can be locked and loaded on your trip to Tokyo Disney Resort. These offers for one or two night stays bundle together a hotel room, tickets, access to dining, and also special little goodies like a popcorn holder. Well, it's it's more of a holder than a bucket. A coupon for unlimited hot and cold soft drinks, attraction access, advanced booking to meet a character, and typically one or two small souvenirs. If you are anxious about the purchasing, if you're stressed about these credit cards and you want to be done planning your Tokyo Disney trip, this is as close as you will get to tossing money at the problem. Only you will also have to be on top of booking as you toss money at the problem. Because while availability is slim and you'll need to book it right when it opens usually in order to snag one, in addition to those attraction passes, starting in June, having one of the new vacation packages will make entering Fantasy Springs a freaking breeze. And here's why. With a vacation package, you can book a special Fantasy Springs Magic Ticket, which is essentially the golden ticket. You can enter Tokyo Disney Sea, enter Fantasy Springs whenever you'd like, and even get a wristband that provides fast pass like access to most rides within that land as many times as you want. 
These are pricier tickets, between $153 to $173 for adults, but are only available to guests staying at Tokyo Disney Sea Fantasy Springs Hotel and ones who have booked this Fantasy Springs eligible Tokyo Disney Resort vacation package plan. Otherwise, to enter Fantasy Springs, you will need a park ticket for Tokyo Disney Sea. And then, on top of that, you'll need to book your way in once you enter, either with Standby Pass or Disney Premier Access. If that sounds like gibberish, do not worry, we are covering that in depth next week. But if you're getting Star Wars Galaxy's Edge flashbacks, so am I! <laughs> so am I! We will again get into all of this in the next episode. You'll be a pro with what those terms mean by then, I assure you. But those are essentially your two options, and only one of them seems like a guarantee. The land is not yet open, and I obviously don't speak Japanese, so this is as much information as I can get to you prior to this land's opening. If you are listening to this podcast between June 2024 and whenever my next trip to Tokyo is, please be sure to check with a Tokyo-based expert to make sure that that essential detail is still true, especially once we finally know the actual process and procedures once that land opens. So, to recap. Vacation packages, book six months in advance. Hotel, four months in advance. Tickets, two months in advance. If you book an official Disney hotel, you do not need to panic about tickets. You might still, but you don't have to. If I was you, I would, but <laughs> I'm telling you also, you don't gotta. You can buy them in advance, which is what I do because I'd be stressed, but according to all of the information that we have at this time from everything we know, from all the procedures that are announced, again, this could change, but it likely will not, if this time it is accurate, in case things sell out or your cards don't work or you run into any snafus or you want to pay with cash, whatever happens, you still have a way to get into the park. If you book an unofficial hotel or are not staying on site at Tokyo Disney Resort, be sure to look into if your hotel can sell tickets directly, ask your concierge if applicable, and if you're just going for the day, plan on buying them at the two-month mark. And if you have any trouble, then head over to Kluke. Unfortunately, I do want to mention this now, I have not been able to find an American travel agent who can book Tokyo Disney Resort hotels. If you know of one, if you know someone who can book something like Miracosta, holler at your girl, you'll get the shout out of the lifetime because I've looked everywhere. And from what I understand, it's not something that really applies. But Sadly, the hoops of everything we just explained are worth jumping through at the moment because if you want to go to Tokyo Disney, you got to get in the park and this is the best way to do it. I do have some tips before we go. If you are stressed about booking, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, my advice is to have as many credit cards handy as possible while booking your hotel, but more specifically when booking your tickets. Also, Consider explaining the situation or send a link to this podcast with 400 exclamation points to a parent or sibling or cousin or best friend who trusts you to pay them back in advance and see if they're willing to be by the phone when booking opens and willing to give you their information if your card happens to get rejected. Print everything out before you go. Park admission, uh, any other forms, hotel confirmations, things like that. This was a huge tip from Chris, TDR Explorer, which saved me on one of my park days recently. The reason you need to print out your park admission is because the app scans your admission via QR code. That's how you book Premier Access, which is their version of FastPass. If your ticket is on your phone and your phone needs to scan the ticket, you can't scan your ticket because the ticket's on the phone. You got to scan it on the phone. The camera, the QR code, you can't do it. So just to be safe, print stuff out before you go. Or if you, like me, found this out at the last second, print it out at your hotel before you go to the park. 
I asked the front desk to print my admission. I emailed it to them. They printed it. It was easy peasy, no problem. I was covered and I want to make sure you are too. So make sure you have a physical version of your ticket so that if you need to link it into the app, if there are any troubles, any issues, you are covered. Third, Check everything before you leave. There is always a chance the things I mentioned here can and will change when Tokyo Disney Resort opens a new theme park land. Check the official website. Check TDR Explorer's website. Check Reddit threats, discussion posts, social media. Just check. Just do a few Googles. Just double check. I never want to leave you astray. My goal is to make sure you are prepared prepared, prepared, prepared. But depending on when you're listening to this, I just want to make sure because podcasts obviously aren't sentient beings and they don't update themselves. So I just want to make sure you are good to go. And if you are concerned about the things we talked about and can do this, bring multiple credit cards with you when you travel and just check your credit card fees in advance. I didn't do that. I just ended up using a card I wasn't planning on using. The fees were basically non-existent on that, which I'm surprised by because it's a credit card I don't use. But just make sure you can use them without getting majorly dinged over there. Just Checking in advance will just bring you some calm and you'll be good to go. One more thing. If you use DVC or Disney Vacation Club points and want to book Tokyo Disney, I personally do not know that process. But one of our listeners, James, just did exactly that and was gracious enough to leave us a voicemail about the process, which I will share with you right here. Thank you so much, James. Hello, Carly. We love the podcast and I'm so happy you're doing uh, a deep dive into Tokyo Disney Resort. Disney Vacation Club member have been for many years, and we use the Disney Vacation Club to book the Miracosta, Miracosta at Disney Sea. Super excited about that. Can be really hard to get. We're going right around the time Fantasy Springs opened, and if it wasn't for DVC, I don't think we would have got it. DVC has a longer booking window, I think up to six months before rather than four months before. I'm not entirely sure about that, but the four-month window I called DVC, they did the called to Japan to book it, and when I went online, totally sold out. So either they hold back some for DVC members or something else is different, but I don't think we would have gotten a Miracosta without DVC. It's a, you know, the points are more expensive than if you're going to your home resort, but it's worth it. There's a booking fee of $95, but at the Miracosta, my understanding is you're guaranteed theme park tickets if you need them. So take a whole bunch of stress off the table if you're DVC. Anyways, uh, looking forward to everything you have to share about the Tokyo Disney Resort and your upcoming episode. Thank you. That is it for this week, week one in our Tokyo Disney Resort guide. If you have any questions, please give us a call on the Churros hotline. Otherwise, I hope you feel prepared. I hope you feel excited. And stay tuned for our next two installments of our guide. Carly, I just wanted to call quickly and just say thank you specifically to your mom. Her uh, outro message this week, I think, came at just the right time. Having a really rough go at the moment. Um, and just her reminder that, you know, we're doing a good job and that we need to take care of ourselves was just absolutely perfectly timed. So if you could please pass along my thanks to her, I would really appreciate it. Absolutely love um, hearing from you and your mom on the podcast and appreciate everything that you do. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you so much for this call. I actually got a few calls and a few messages about this, about my mom's voicemail, voicemail, voice note, voicemail, voicemail, voicemail. Well, I, I know that word. Anyway, I got multiple messages uh, about my mom's voicemail from the previous week. And I just wanted to share this one because uh, I get it. As someone who 
took a week off the podcast because I needed to plan for the others and felt so guilty about it. And then I got sick for so long. I've been sick for so many days. And I the message rings as true for me this week as it did last week, as I hope it does for many of you. Um, and I appreciate the community that we've built. And I really appreciate the fact that you guys are so nice to my mom who calls in every week and you aren't like, why is this woman's mother on this podcast? <laughs> I never planned to play her calls every week, but she loves doing it. I love uh, sharing her energy and her appreciation of everyone publicly. I, I don't I don't really know what else to say. I just want to say I appreciate you for calling in. I appreciate everyone who reached out. And it is really nice that we have this community of people and that my mom can share her nice notes with all of us because... That's my mom, and I love her. I just want to share it. I love you, Mom. Okay, bye. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye. Hi, Carly. My name is Arielle, and I'm from Colorado. Um, I have two main questions for you. One, super love the podcast and churros and your whole vibe, so thanks for being you. But do you have a story behind your name and how it is spelled? Apologies if you've shared this somewhere before and I missed it, but I I love that it's unique. Um, I'm curious also, do you get called, like, Carl, yeah. Like, do you have any good mispronunciation stories? Um, my first name's Ariel, and no one knows what to do with that ever. So, curious your opinion on that. And then two, Japan. You've been posting about that a little bit. I have very basic questions. Like, literally, can you spell out some very basics for how to travel abroad for people that a have never done it or it's been a long time? Like, phones and mobile ordering. Like, does that happen in Japanese culture? Do you need to get like physical? money just some some good basics are phone plans still a thing like do you have I, I don't know so please treat me like i know nothing so thank you again so much and bye hi oh my gosh thank you so much for your two-part call okay first Yes, there is a story behind my name. And because I was so nice to my mom in the other Jerome's hotline response, I can be real here. And the fact is that my mom's going to refute this, but I'm going to put it on the record that I was apparently named after the most popular girl in my mom's high school. I guess she was like beautiful and nice to everyone. And she sounded like a human version of a fairy. But uh, it nevertheless, I was named after an impossible standard this girl was never going to meet. And her name was spelled in a way that I think always stuck with my mom. Um, again, I'm sure she'll tell her story. But it's spelled, as we know, C-A-R-L-Y-E, and nobody can pronounce it. I also laughed out loud when you said my name is Ariel. 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 See, I did it. See, I did it in real time. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Anyway, I very much relate to what you said, that no one knows what to do. They panic when they say your name because I just panicked when I said it. And people panic when they see mine. They always think it is Carlisle. They always think it is Carlisle. There's and it's I'm not bothered by it. Um, as I'm sure you're used to this as well. I it, there's multiple. There's a Y and an E on the end. They they don't need to be there. It's a little superfluous. But anyway, people never know what to do. And as an adult, it's not so bad. But as a as a kid, when teachers were you know reading roll call, it wasn't great to the point where there is a funny story that. When I was in high school, listen, not to brag, but I got cast in the very big variety show. I, I don't know how I got cast. I mean, it was impossible to get in. And I got cast. And it's like one of my greatest achievements. Anyway, it's called Lanya Papri. We don't have to talk about it. It's fine. I was made it in two years. <laughs> it's great. Anyway, uh, I made it to the show. <laughs> Again, still like maybe the best thing I've ever accomplished. And 
for shows like this, they would have a hotline. So you would call in and they would read the cast members' names aloud for any musical or play or things that you've made it in. And I didn't make it in everything. So a lot of times I wouldn't hear my name, but sometimes I would hear my name and they would do it alphabetically. And one of these readings, I'm pretty sure it was for Lanyap, at the end they said, Carlisle Wazelli. And I was like, is that me? Did I, is it, was it chosen? Who, what is that name? Because that's not my name. But honestly, I understand why you would say it that way. I did get cast. It was very exciting. Um, and it's nice, I, you know, maybe one day E.T. will know how to say my name normal or I'll get cast in something else. Either way, I feel you. I see you. I totally get it. As for the second part of your question, how to travel abroad, things like this, uh, the essential questions, we are going to cover this in the third part of the Tokyo Guide. I was originally going to try to cram everything into two parts, but I figured this is essential info. This needs to be part of it because also traveling after the pandemic, things have changed. Things have changed, and we're going to talk about this in the future, but my visit to Tokyo recently versus a few years ago, I went just before the pandemic, truly days before things closed down, had no idea COVID was coming for us. Because I have those two experiences back to back, when I went, things were very different than when I just went, especially technologically, using your phone to pay for stuff, tap to pay, um, Tokyo Disney Resort having more English accessibility in the app than they used to, things like that. We are going to cover it. I want you to feel like by the end of the third episode, you are ready to go to Tokyo. You feel prepared. You feel briefed on it. So do not worry. Just sit tight and keep waiting for the episodes to roll in and you'll be totally fine. Thank you so much for calling. Uh, thanks. I really appreciate it. Okay, bye. <laughs> That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts and rate and follow us on Spotify. And when you do, I get a little email about it. So it's kind of like sending me a valentine. Just a free little valentine that uh, other people can also see. So maybe it's like sending me a valentine in one of those mailboxes that we had in primary school, but also like everyone can read the valentines. There's like no secret. It's just like, yay, we're all friends here. You know what I mean? Less, Much less candy though. I used to always make these bags. Okay, <laughs> this has nothing to do with the outro, but I used to always make these bags of candy because my grandpa would give me so much candy every valentine's. Give me like a bags and bags and bags and bags and bags of all different types of candy. And then I'd make candy grab bags. I totally forgot about that. Wow. I really unpacked a memory here at the end of the podcast. Thank you all for going on this journey with me. Wow. I was given that much candy as a kid and I shared it with people. I'm really Midwestern to the core. Anyway. You can give us a call with any question you got at 747churros. You can also send it to us as a voice note or email it as an attachment to 747churros at gmail.com. I fell behind on texting people back while I was sick, but I will get back to it, I assure you. If you want to, you know, tell people about this podcast without saying a single word, you can wear Very Amusing merchandise and you can buy that at very-amusing.com. We got some cool hats. We got some cool shirts. We got some sweatshirts. It's cool. We got some good stuff. We got some good stuff. And I love it all. I wear it all too. I wear it all the time. You can follow me at Carly Wiesel on uh, Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram. I'm also on that threads thing a little more lately. So keep an eye out there. I've just been just, just posting stuff all over the internet. Uh, and you can also join the Fomaly, a fantastic community of like-minded friends at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. There's always a lot of fun stuff going in there. We're going to talk about coffee, talking about Disney, talking about all sorts of things, life, trip planning, uh, restaurant recommendations, travel, meetups, all sorts of stuff. This episode was edited immaculately by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon.
Hi, honey. Great episode. What a blessing for me that you take me to Disney World. I don't need to know Genie Plus, Lightning Lane. I don't need Fast Pass, One Day Park Pass. I don't need park hopping restrictions, Disney After Hours, Individual Park, Two-Day Hoppers, <sighs> Virtual Queue, and Transportation. I do nothing. I don't have to learn it. I don't have to do it. I have you, and you know everything. How lucky am I? So lucky that all I have to do is just show up and enjoy everything. It's wonderful. All right, I listened to podcast The Ride, which was very good hearing you on there. It was so, so good. And you asked about Barnaby's on a text. And when you text me, you said, does dad go to like Barnaby's because he likes the one in Niles? And I answered you, yeah, I think that's it. I did answer you. He does love Barnaby's. It's his favorite next to lose. But he also likes the Barnaby's in Northbrook. So he does do mostly Niles, but does Barnaby's in Northbrook. So I definitely text you back. You're not reading my text, and this shows it. All right. So also getting back to that, um, Mike's mom is Marcy. And I had to make sure who she was. And I have to tell you, I loved Mike's mom. She was so sweet. I knew her from high school. She was the most beautiful, the sweetest, and I adore her. So when you're in town, which I hope is soon, um, maybe the four of us can go to lunch. I would absolutely love that. Okay. I love you. I love you, Pearl. And I love you, John Stamos. I will see you next week. Bye.